This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. I'm producer Jane Neild and I have managed to grab Caroline Wilson for a few minutes on what I'm assuming is a very busy Wednesday morning. Uh, morning to you, Caro. I'm sure you've been up since the crack of dawn doing interviews, perhaps? Oh, yesterday was busier, Jane. It's just bizarre, isn't it, to think that um, just over 24 hours ago, Corrie and I were recording our latest edition of Don't Shoot the Messenger, we briefly discussed Eddie Maguire. Even then, I thought that although his farewell year, his farewell tour had been ruined, I didn't think that it would come to this. I didn't think that, you know, I didn't realise the forces at play had um, beaten Eddie to such a degree. So, um, of course, um, Collingwood announced yesterday afternoon there was going to be a press conference at 4.15. By then, both newspapers had broken the story that... Eddie Maguire was resigning. He decided, actually, I think he came to the decision over the weekend. Although the AFL Commission had met on Monday morning and discussed Maguire, I don't think there was AFL pressure as much as... Well, there was pressure from everyone, but as I wrote in The Age today, um, in the end, it was Eddie who brought himself down. So let's just, for some of our listeners who haven't been glued to sports radio, like, uh, look, I must admit, you know, not many things get me to listen to an entire sports drive show, but the news yesterday certainly had me uh, tuning in to hear everyone's take on the whole situation. So for those who may not have heard the actual presser, let's just start with how it, it began to set a little bit of the tone. Good afternoon, everyone. I try my best, and I don't always get it right, but I don't stop trying. But today, effective immediately, I stepped down from the presidency of the Collingwood Football Club. From the moment I became the president of the Collingwood Football Club on my 34th birthday back in 1998, my sole motivation was to heal, unite, inspire, and drive a new social conscience, not just into this club, but sport and the community in general, and build an organisation that would be a place for opportunity for all people. Now, Caro, I found it pretty hard to listen to at first, thinking, oh my goodness, that man, I was only listening, not watching. That's, that's a really tough thing to do, but it almost sounds like Eddie's horse from perhaps uh, yelling at the top of his voice for a couple of days. What did you feel in your gut deep down when you heard the beginning of that press conference? Oh, I thought he was completely shattered, finally beaten. Um, I, I don't know whether he was yelling. I don't know because I haven't spoken to him. I've left him a message, but I don't know whether he is angry and blaming others for this. I hope not. I hope he understands that in the end it was him. Look, the social conscience just rankled with me, Jane. He's done so many brilliant things at Collingwood. He is clearly the biggest, highest profile sports person, really, in football and one of the biggest names in the country, sport or otherwise. I mean, Eddie is a massive influence across so many levels and he did some great things at Collingwood. But you can't say 
that he could claim a social conscience because of the comments and the responses he has given to issues involving, and, and this is during his time as host of the footy show as well, women, Indigenous Australians, despite the fact he will say he's done so much work for Indigenous Australians, he's only going to be remembered, sadly, for Ad the Adam Goods comment because it was just so terrible. And, you know, it was what made it worse was that the AFL, the AFL made him do um, some Indigenous training, but his board and no one else, none of his employers stood up to him. So um, the social conscience thing, well, Collingwood have instilled some wonderful community programs, but they also got involved with Indigenous football clubs like Rumbalara in Shepparton. And, you know, Rumbalara was disappointed because they just never saw enough of Collingwood in their region. They never saw enough of Eddie. So for all the good he did, he's not going to be remembered for instilling a social conscience. He'll be remembered for the opposite. Yeah, I think on the show last week, you and uh, Corrie did sort of say, you know, that whole, it's it's one thing to talk the talk, but did you walk the walk? And are you sort of feeling like that? I mean, it is a long list of achievements within certain communities, but just that walking the walk wasn't quite there. Well, he talked a lot about their women's football team. Now, the women's football team setup was flawed from the outset and um, the women players at Collingwood and staff involved with the, the, that inaugural AFLW team didn't feel necessarily respected or looked after. I'm told things are a lot better there now, but look, there were just a lot of missteps along the way. There were hits, there were misses, there were some spectacular victories. But unfortunately, um, I, I think he also said he moved to unite the club and he did unite it in those early days. I mean, he brought everyone in from the top end of town to the Dolly Grays, you know, the women's supporters group as they were known. Um, but you'd have to say that in the last week, it was a club divided, savagely divided and angry. And in the end, they were divided against Eddie. Now, Caro, before I met you and had the privilege of working with yourself and Corey, you know, I had this real impression of you as, oh, I'm going to say a ball breaker if I'm allowed to go there. And look, I have Set to say... steady on, Jane. Sorry, but I'm sure some of the blokes around uh, here were too scared to produce your show for you. But I now look back and think a lot of that was because of the rhetoric at the time. I mean, Eddie made comments about you that were deeply offensive, that, oh, let her drown at the bottom of the big freeze slide kind of thing. It's, it's on the record. It's a well-known thing. But on a personal level for you, you... Have you felt like you've been trying to let people know about these issues for years? I mean, you, you spoke with Heredia years ago, wrote great articles about what he was feeling and his position at the club. I mean, was yesterday just a little bit of, well, you had it coming, Ed, for you? Look, obviously we've had our blues over the journey and, and there'd be times Ed would say and, that I was unfair on him. But he did say some horrifying things mm. about minority groups and about... And about me, I mean, much worse really in the days of the footy show, and it wasn't only him, but, you know, he, he was a host and allowed it to be said, but often by him. He also was the chief executive of Channel 9 when he envisaged the show Footy Classified, now 14 years old. So, um, you know, he, he obviously has supported me as well. And, you know, he came to me and said, I want you to do this show. And so... I suppose people would say it's an intriguing relationship. Um, I wrote when I stepped down as Chief Footy Writer of the Age after 19 years that um, 
I often had to remember whether I was fighting or friends with Eddie on which particular week. <laughs> we had many coffees and breakfasts where we patched things up. There was a mutual respect. But in the end, he, in the end, look, he stayed too long, Jane. He stayed too long and he got messy. And the world changed and Eddie didn't change quickly enough with it. That's what I think happened in the end. And 23 years is a long time. He should have put in place a succession plan. They looked at doing that. They didn't. He was a great fighter. He fought the good fight for Collingwood. He made up for many of his missteps by some great things. But um, I suppose, yeah, do I feel, I don't feel in any way, um, I don't feel vindicated because I think people were increasingly realising that, you know, Eddie was the sort of person he was. Um, and he was, you know, when he did apologise to me for the drowning thing, he was incredibly sincere. But then, you know, Sam Newman went on the footy show a few days later and you just wondered whether Eddie had spoken to Sam and allowed that to, you know, to happen, you know, um, and said some terrible things about me and what a hypocrite I was. So I just hope he understands now that just for once, put the anger and resentment aside about what has happened and how unfair this all is and how people don't understand him and have some humility and contrition for what went on, particularly what went on last week. I mean, even on Tuesday, Jane, in that press conference, he was trying to say, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing, I know I said proud day for the club, but the original press release and what was online was yeah. another line. You know, he was trying to, even now trying to say, I didn't really say that, but he did say it. And he was such an autocrat that, well, if the media manager, Steve Riley, had any say at all, he clearly, you know, the influence was just absolutely dissipated and he was allowed to get away with it and nobody stopped him. So yesterday the board met at lunchtime and members as well. I'm assuming you would have been getting text messages or you have your sources. You would have had an early heads up or did this come as a real sort of surprise? Oh no, it came as a real shock to me. Um, I was um, in in another world completely yesterday. Um, I was on the road for a long time. I was doing other things completely unrelated to football. So when Brendan said to me, there's a press conference at 4.15, I thought, holy hell. And, um, and then the phone started ringing and, you know, obviously, you know, it was pretty obvious what had happened. I did manage to unravel the fact that I think Ed read the papers on the weekend and the fact that either board members or executive and maybe even players had leaked to both The Age and The Herald Sun. I mean, that article on page 13, the Alice Costa piece in The Herald Sun um, about how angry the players were, how a meeting was called and Eddie wasn't welcome, how angry many of the executives were, um, the anger too. Um, Jake Nile wrote about the board members and the players who were so disappointed with what Ed had done. And you felt then, well, he clearly felt then that not only had they turned against him, but for the first time leaked so vehemently against him. And one thing I'll say about the Collingwood board, it was never a leaking board. And, you know, when that starts, you know it's over. And he read the writing on the wall and spoke to the AFL at some point earlier yesterday and told them he'd be stepping down. In terms of succession planning, which you sort of touched on, I mean, has there ever, I'm assuming not, but has there ever been an Indigenous president of an AFL club in Australia? Is there someone or, I don't know, even if it was a vice, you know, what's the step forward for the club now in your opinion? Well, look, people at, um, some people at the AFL really like Jodie Sizer and think she, she could do the job and she's obviously got the uh, business credentials as well as obviously the social credentials. 
Peter Murphy is the internal favourite at the club. The AFL like Peter Murphy. He is the entrepreneur, businessman who has a strong background, who Eddie brought in to do the review that brought about the resignation of Gary Pert and big changes at the club. Peter Murphy tried to get Ed to step down earlier. I think he tried to introduce term limits for presidents, something that Eddie resisted. So, um, and then there's Mark Corder um, of the famous Corder Mentha, you know, the massive auditing firm. He, um, the businessman, I think he's too associated with Ed now to have any chance of getting on. Although I did see, Jane, that Barry Cassidy interviewed on the ABC this morning did not rule out having a crack at the Collingwood board himself. And obviously Craig Kelly has been another long-time favourite. I think he has too many conflicts, though. And in terms of footy classified, I I know Eddie's obviously stepping back. And look, I really felt for him saying, you know, my sons have never known anything except for me being the president of the club. So I'm hoping there's a real family focus. But surely it would be a ratings bonanza if Eddie stayed on. Or do you think he'll step back completely? Uh, no, I don't. I'm not sure, though. I mean, I, I, I don't have that information. Yesterday morning, as recently as yesterday morning, I spoke with um, nine bosses and, you know, we were all returning as planned to the show. So um, if Eddie does decide to step down for a while, that'll be interesting. But I'm not sure exactly what's happening there. His company, Jam TV, obviously produces the show and produces the Monday night show with Hutchie and myself and Matthew Lloyd and Kane Corns. I'm not sure. I mean, I know he will have recorded a lot of Millionaire Hot Seat episodes and they'll be running as normal and I'm not sure about his Fox footy work, whether he'll call footy for Fox footy. But it is early February or mid-February, Jane. I'm, I'm sure that after a month of reflection, things might calm down and Ed might realise that he wants to get back into the cut and thrust and he'll be able to do it a lot better. I wa- I've always wondered whether we'd look at a career in politics. I'm not sure now would be the right time to do that. I'm not, you know, he'd be horrified at all the comparisons to Donald Trump over the last year or two because he's such a proud Labor man. I mean, he would be horrified. He is very close to Daniel Andrews, who famously supported him last week. So what next for Eddie Maguire will be interesting. But, yeah, a time of reflection with his family, perhaps down at the beach, perhaps a brief holiday. I'm not sure, but both his boys are out of school now and on their way. So, look, the next chapter will be intriguing. But as I wrote in The Age, it really shouldn't have ended like this, Jane. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got people calling left, right and centre asking for comments. Uh, We're going to put the link to your article and the full press conference so people who perhaps haven't sort of seen it over the news services and on radio for the last uh, 24 hours or so can catch up with that. Thanks, Caro, and a busy week ahead, but can't wait to get you and Corey into the studio next week for Don't Shoot the Messenger to see how it all pans out seven days later. Cheers, Miss Jane. Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks for listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. And thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131806 for real Aussie energy. And Prince Wine Store, bringing Melburnians the greatest wine in the world and delivering Australia-wide. Visit princewinestore.com.au.